What up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Free Therapy Show. It's your boy, Mr. Fuzzy Handsome. Hey, what up, everybody? It's B. Roan, Mr. Roan, back in the pod again. What up, yeah, buddy? Man. I'm squinting. I don't know if you can see that. I'm squinting. You're looking good, bro. You can't see it, man. You got to squint just right to get it, man. Otherwise, all you just going to see over here is your boy Paul, man. Oh, but that's you squint it up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I was telling the young lady at work who uh, came up with the moniker that uh, that's my name on the podcast and everything. And, man, she just kind of broke down and cried a little bit. She was just like, man. It just came to me, Paul. It was just a bit of inspiration. <laughs> I was like, man, I sure appreciate it because uh, I, I like it, man. I, I really like it. So it was a funny name. And it's funny, you know, just to add that extra little bit onto it to make it possible and real. Like, yeah, you squint just right. The, when the moon catch your eye like a big piece of pie, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Might be a handsome cat over there or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah, sure, man. Buddy. Everything good with you? Hey, dog, I can't complain, man. I'm just trying to make it happen in this cold and cruel world out here. I hear you, man. Out here feeling like Dion right now, right? Like, where everybody going? <laughs> it was all good just a week ago. It was all good just a week ago. Oh, man. They probably will be able to jump back into the winning column. I think they got, like, Arizona State or somebody. They they got somebody more their speed coming up, although they did make that USC game interesting at the end. Um, just an offensive yeah. matchup. USC's defense is as terrible as it's always been. But we'll see, man. But today ain't about sports, man. Today is uh, – Something that's probably kind of near and dear to all of our hearts, man. The killer of Tupac uh, has been captured and arrested. When clout chasing goes wrong is what we're going to call this, Mr. Wrong. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Keithy D has been arrested. Mr. 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 Wrong, who told on Keithy D? Dog. Keefy D told on Keefy D. <laughs> no. He lined no. himself up, dog. He lined <laughs> himself up. He, he pointed <laughs> himself out to the police and did it in, in, in high fashion on a, mm. on a, uh, interview with DJ Vlad, wrote a book mm. about it, told a story mm. to two or three different other people and they got it in black and white, man. I believe the police showed up with his book to tell him, oh man, this is why you arrested. Hey, bro, chapter six, chapter six, that's where we got you right there. You know, the first five chapters, we ain't really have enough evidence. But when we got to chapter six, Keefe D, it's in black and white. It's in black and white, man. I I can't believe it. I guess I'll go back all the way to when it happens and and, uh, when it happened. And it was so real to me, you know, at the time with all the East Coast, West Coast, uh, beef that was going on and mm-hmm. and Tupac being shot like that and how it all went down and then the details as they were released slowly, you know, mm-hmm. like how all of it tied together fight night with Mike Tyson and all of these things going on that happened at the same time, you know, out there in Vegas just to to live long enough to see it come all the way back around and have this man arrested when most of everybody else that was in the car is already dead. So mm. you was the only one that had to keep the secret, and you couldn't. <laughs> That's everybody wild. else was gone, bro. Everybody Nobody else, else. Everybody else oh. in that car that night 
dead. <laughs> you, the, you the last nigga alive, and you told on yourself. You told on yourself, Keith D, man. Come on, bro. That is truly clout chasing going wrong. The funny thing, man, I remember, because I don't watch a lot of DJ Vlad. Um, he just don't come across my my algorithm on YouTube for me to watch him or whatever. But for whatever reason, that week kind of kicked it up like Keefe D uh, knows what happened in the Tupac shooting. Keefe D admits to shooting Tupac. You know how they do those attention-grabbing headlines with mm-hmm. him. Clickbait. Yes, clickbait. And so I was like, oh, I got to I gotta see who this is. I don't even know who Keefe D is. And so I, I, I played the video and lo and behold, he's right there really telling, yeah, man, uh, you know, my nephew Orlando and Pop got into a fight earlier and, uh, you know, we just couldn't have that. I don't know. I don't even want to speak really, really on it in case somebody hear this thing and they come over here trying to make sure I don't speak on it and then like that. All no you more. got to say is <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. No, Not I allegedly. 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 Bruh, I ain't even going to say that much because this dude really did get on TV on Vlad's podcast and tell, yeah, man, we were all in the car. I was in the car, too. As a matter of fact, I gave Orlando the gun. Uh, I was sitting here like, I, I don't think it's really a statute of limitations on murder, bro. You might want to have them not release this episode. And yeah, man. Yeah. Like you said, everybody else in the car that night, gone, dead and gone. Keefe D, all you had to do was just chill for a little bit. And it was so funny watching my man kind of stagger in the court the other day, looking mad. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all doing this to a brother, man. <laughs> he came in there with that fake limp. That fake limp. <laughs> Everybody get a limp or something when they get they get ready to go face them numbers. Like, hey, dog, I mean, you brought this on yourself. And what was wild to me and so telling in the interview, bro, when when my man said, you know, I guess I can talk about it. Like, I mean, if they got to arrest me for it, they'll arrest me for it. Like, I ain't scared to go to jail. Like, nigga, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, oh, man. I mean, I guess that's his truth. You know what I mean? But it's just, you know, like you said, clout chasing gone wrong. And, and to look at it now, I mean, I guess it's at an all-time high. And you know, there's no shortage of people that have went on Vlad and said compromising things. Like he mm-hmm. happens to ask the the poignant questions. Like if you were sitting down at a table and your friend was talking to you like Vlad talking his interviews, you'd be like, nigga, is you wearing a wire? Like why? <laughs> why is you asking me this? Like what you what are you talking me about? Up. Right. Who's watching? Is, is you recording this or what's going on? But Rappers seem to be completely, I don't know what he got in the green room. I don't know, you know, how they set these interviews up, but he, he gets them disarmed and they come in there and spill their guts to Vlad. And oftentimes it ends up like, oh yeah, this guy came back out and said like mysteriously, now you under investigation and some shit you just said somewhere like, yo, the last time I was talking about it, I was on DJ (laughs) Vlad. And now you like, I mean, I guess. For me, I would try to put two and two together, but you know, I, I'm no rapper, so. Hey, but be wrong. 
this the funniest thing to me, dog. Uh, they got the DJ that I had interview. They got the book where he he said the same <laughs> thing he said on DJ Vlad. Why your boy limp into the court and pled not guilty, bro? <laughs> what they gonna do? What they gonna do when that nigga say I have a right to face my accuser? <laughs> it's you, it's you. Oh, somebody go come hold up a mirror. Somebody yeah, go come man. hold up I a mirror. I got a right to face there. my accuser, dog. Hey, yo, oh, man. But here's here's the okay. I give you my conspiracy theory. Oh, let Angle. me hear this. Are you ready? Let you ready? I love a you good know one. who he was associated with? Please don't say Puffy. Puff Daddy. No! <laughs> oh! <laughs> hey, yo, I was watching uh, uh, It Is What It Is with Mace and Cam. That's a hilarious yeah. show anyway. Hilarious pod. But, uh, Mace was sitting on there like, yo, where I know that name from? Like, who? Like, no, I I really know that name. Where I know that name from? Like, he kept saying it, but he wouldn't say it. But somebody else <laughs> in the background said, bad boy. <laughs> so, hey, get ready for fireworks. I don't know if he makes it to this trial. Mm. I would be surprised if he makes it to this trial. I'm mm. not saying... What you think I'm saying, I'm just saying, I'll be surprised <laughs> if he makes it to the trial. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> an associate of Sean Love, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy Combs. Mm, Mr. Love. Mr. Love, man. Mr. Love now. Man, let me just say on a serious note, um, like you started out with, I can remember exactly where I was when I found out Tupac had died, right? Like he got killed and I think he stayed alive for six days or eight days in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, but he died on a Friday night. I was at a football game at my high school football game. Uh, when it kind of started spreading through, you know, pop died, pop died and remembering how it was hitting people. Now, in full context, I'm a Biggie fan, which means by default, I was an East Coast fan, which means by default, I wasn't a West Coast fan, which means by further default, I wasn't a pop fan. But, you know, I still respected him and everything. But I rode with Bad Boy. Like if it was going to be a fight. I was going to be swinging with Puffy them against Suge Knight. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was going to swing on Suge Knight in that fight. <laughs> Yo. Uh, okay, if Suge hit this, bro, I was never going to swing on nobody. Like, that ain't me. Right? <laughs> in case you hear this, Suge, I'm just joking. Uh, but, yeah, I grew I was a Biggie fan, man, but still feeling the, the, uh, the impact of Pop dying was huge, right? And oh my God. Oh knowing my God. all those people were out there and somebody had to see something and not really fully understanding the the no snitch culture, the don't tell culture that was going on, uh, and not understanding why the authorities couldn't get someone arrested. It's just good to see to receive some kind of closure for his family to receive some kind of closure. I think it's been about 25 years since it happened. And so that's a long time to wait to even have somebody just face charges for someone of that magnitude to have been killed in front of that many people. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially the 
uh, impact he had on the culture. Uh, mm-hmm. He was definitely uh, a needle mover in mm-hmm. in the hip hop culture uh, up until that point. Um, yep. And to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, like, I mean, I didn't, I never really saw him as a West Coast guy, even yeah. though that's where he ended up. Like, I remember him in his earlier days and, you know, like Me Against the World is probably one of my favorite albums ever. So, um, just knowing that he had East Coast roots, he, he had ties to, you know, uh, Maryland and Baltimore and New Jersey, mm-hmm. and he was very much uh, tied to both coasts. I mean, he ended up where he ended up, but a lot of the influence in his music was East Coast influence and some of his better music prior to his last uh, couple of albums were produced and heavily influenced by the East Coast. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely a huge loss. And to see it come, like you say, full circle back to this day, it is mm-hmm. some kind of closure for uh, the folks that have been around and listening and following the culture that long. Absolutely, man. So shout out to uh, uh, what's that? The Las Vegas PD that got that arrest done. It was yeah. Las Vegas PD for for uh, reading a book 25 years later. For reading the book and watching the video. And, Keefe and D helping following the crumbs to Keefe D house. Shout out to Keefe D, man, for helping to uh, capture the killer to wrap this stuff up. Maybe he got tired of it not being <laughs> solved. He was like, man, you know what? Let me go and put a, a bow on this thing for these folks. Let me get, get on out the way. What they need. Yeah, get uh, on out the I've way, man. I've lived a good life. I've lived a good life. So, man, man maybe that nigga just roll. got tired of being out here and having to worry from week to week about meals yeah. and what he going <laughs> to cook tonight. Or what time am I going to get up tomorrow? All these decisions. Man, maybe I'll go see some women. a ward of the court, I won't have to worry about these bills no more. This. Maybe that mm. nigga really loved dominoes. Mm. That they play a, a lot of dominoes and smoke a lot of cigarettes. Maybe he that just want to play dominoes. Hey man, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what Keefe D was thinking about. Man, I know I won't be thinking it. No matter what happens, I ain't getting. You ain't got to worry about I mean. me. You ain't got to <laughs> worry about me, nigga. Man. That's for sure. But only in America can you get into jail for telling on yourself for a crime you got away with, right? Also, <laughs> only in America. <laughs> Can we have some white man on white man crime and it end up being the woman's fault, bruh? Like, <laughs> did you see the speaker of the house got fired? Oh. Hey man, I I I guess I kinda gotten used to not seeing the ultra weird political spillage and, and fallout happening when Donald Trump was not in office. I was used to kind of seeing it like I know there was a lot going on when he was in office, but, you know, post Donald Trump, I, I really wasn't used to uh, or looking forward to seeing this kind of thing happen. But my goodness, I couldn't believe it. I, I was watching it unfold and walked in the break room at work and <laughs> I, I still work in one of those establishments where yeah. it's not quite as many of us as yeah. it is of them. And, yeah. you know, so I walked in and I was like, what? And they was glued <laughs> to the TV, dog. Glued <laughs> to the TV. I was like, oh, oh my. What is happening? 
I couldn't believe man. it, man. It, it's it's still so hilarious to me that that he's also like KVD, kind of a a victim of his own circumstance. Mm. I love. I told you my most favorite part about this story was my man Kevin McCarthy getting on Twitter saying, "Bring it on!" Like <laughs> like he was dead. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> you know. Before I really go into the piece that I want to talk about, and that is America's hatred of women in leadership positions. Um, Before I go into that, though, uh, Mr. Rohn, I love the bravado that Donald Trump have provided these people. Like, I love it and I hate it because it annoys me because, you know, they ain't real. They're not really standing behind it. But the fact that the night before Kevin McCarthy got fired from his job that he was barely holding on to, bro. Like, you already barely holding on to this job. You gonna get on Twitter and just bring it. Well, bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) And my man said, already did. See you tomorrow. (laughs) And bro, just like that, just like that, we saw history made of the first Speaker of the House being removed, I think they said in 119 years, like nobody's alive that seen this happen before. Um, so just the theater of it, the history of it, the drama of it, the significance of it. I really, this is one of those days where I long to be back in my previous career in the military so that I could enter a break room similar to the one you entered and watch the reaction of everybody around there and see how, you know, Kevin McCarthy's their man until he ain't. Uh, see how that unfolded, right? Hey, I'm telling you, it, it'll remind you of, I mean, it'll be familiar to you because you, you've been around it. And I guess I will probably be a little more uh, enthusiastic about it happening if my job was not still <laughs> for the for the government. Like <laughs> yeah. this is one of those times I wish I was in definitely in the private sector or doing something that wasn't connected to the government because yeah. I think this have uh may have put us a, a little bit closer to a government shutdown. Um, I don't like where things mm-hmm. are headed. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this gives America a chance to really see what she's become politically. So Mm -hmm. folks are really going to have to deal with who's causing this. Where is this coming from? Even though they're trying to deflect, they're trying to pivot, like you say, and and blame in the midst of this white man (laughs) on white man crime to, to find the woman to, to blame it on. But we can clearly see the origins of this and how things have uh, started. Yeah, man. I, I uh, like I said, one of my most favorite parts of it was Kevin McCarthy getting on Twitter and, and just standing there with his chest out, beating on his chest. Like I'm ready for this. But one of the most shocking parts of the whole thing to me was after it went down and you get your press conference and man, I was glued to it, Brian. Like I was glued to it. I was like, oh man, Kevin about to go in on Matt Gates. Kevin is about to light Matt Gates up. Cause you know, Matt Gates, he got his own thing going, right? I'm not sure if he's been cleared of it yet, but he had been accused of sexual assault on a mine mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in, in Florida. Mm-hmm. And 
even after that, his district, even with that charge out there, reelected him during all of that. And he's still a congressman. And I don't understand, like, I don't understand how there's no kind of, I guess because he hasn't been formally uh, convicted of the crime, but I don't even understand how there's no suspension, even suspension with pay for a representative of the people who's up for a crime that's serious. Uh, why he could still hold office, let alone run to be reelected and the people who hold their nose and go out there and vote for him anyway, despite like was the other candidate up for murder on a murder charge? Like, how do you vote for this guy who's up for sexual assault on a minor? So I was expecting some kind of bloody combat when Kevin McCarthy got up to that post um, that conference after this whole thing was over. And man. That conference went so opposite where I thought it was going. My man said, you know, when I was talking, when I was thinking about the provision that had been prevented, presented to me to allow one person to be able to bring up the motion to vote on a dismissal of the Speaker of the House. I turned to Nancy Pelosi for some counsel <laughs> and she said, go ahead and give it to him. Bruh, this man, and then she, he said, Nancy told me she was going to stand behind me. <laughs> and I'm just laughing like I'm, I'm, I'm literally counting on my finger like Nancy Pelosi, the Democrat, told Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House Republican, that she was going to stand behind him on something and he believed it. Uh Man, I just couldn't believe that he turned this around instead of blaming Matt Gates and this insidious um, angle of the party that's kind of crept in. Not even since Donald Trump. It actually happened a bit before Donald Trump with kind of Ted Cruz rising into the office of the Senate. But it's also taken a more hyenas <laughs> To use my <laughs> word from, from my cousin Vinny, a more hyenas turn uh, since Donald Trump has been running around here, running for office and everything. It just it just pointed out to me America's true disregard for women in leadership roles, especially in politics. When you start thinking about the lightning rod names of Hillary Rotten Clinton and how many times they. Uh, investigated Benghazi and how they never found anything that they could stick to it. But people still walk around here because of the residue of all those investigations, thinking that she somehow allowed that embassy to be attacked by those uh, citizens of those country of that country. Um, so Hillary Rodden Clinton, she she can't get elected to anything. Uh, AOC. um uh, Alexander, um, um, I can't remember the, uh, her name. I know you're talking about, yeah, Cortez, uh, Cortez. Bro, like, this woman has the audacity to stand up for what she believes in in her elected position, and they hate her. They vilify her at every turn they can. Everything, she becomes a lightning rod to where they're at the, Republican convention. And if you say AOC, uh, you're sure to get some votes for you because you hate her. Um, um, 
Michelle Obama, our beloved Michelle Obama, um, all that lady did was be a graceful first lady, a graceful first lady. And just the hint of her possibly running for an office sent everybody into a tizzy. You know, um, um, even our vice president to this day, um, Kamala Harris, right? Uh-huh, we can't even, uh-huh. They don't even want you to say her name right, bro. They don't even want you to call this lady Kamala Harris as her name should be pronounced. They're literally getting on TV, mispronouncing her name on on purpose, vilifying her in a way that makes her unelectable as well. And of course, Nancy Pelosi as well, who, you know, all of them have votes that they've taken and we may not agree to these votes. And they may be something that somebody could find fault with. But they were elected to those positions to do exactly what they did, stand up for the things that they stood up for. It just amazes me that time after time after time again, and I can't even say this is how America's treating black women. This is how America treats women. Like, I don't know if we're going to see a woman president in my lifetime. Now, we might end up seeing one next year. Mm -hmm. I, I would be shocked, though, because. Um, the Republicans even turned on Nikki Haley, who mm-hmm. I think is a decent old school Republican candidate for president. They've even turned on her when the time gets right. Um, so yeah, it just speaks to me about America's true disregard for women in power here. And it's sad, man. It is. Uh, I think, uh, it's just telling about, you know, how, in this uh society how everything has been always kind of focused on uh men and white men to be specific so that part itself is kind of that's their cornerstone and they they've shown time and time again like even the women in that party have a distaste for other women mm-hmm. rising to the top like they they seem to be willing to kind of stay in step with the the very thing that's keeping them oppressed. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's kind of amazing to watch that a person would vote against their own interest and time in time again, they seem to do it. I mean, you have Donald Trump who convinced, you know, poor <laughs> poverty stricken areas <laughs> and, and, and the lower class uh, white folks the, that are closest to Blacks in, mm-hmm. in their own stature, mm-hmm. you know, he can somehow convince them that he sits, you know, up high and makes all that money, a uh, billionaire that's not really a billionaire, but we ain't gonna get into that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, <laughs> he's got a gold toilet that he uses, <laughs> but he didn't convince a poor white person in middle America that he, he understands them and they fall for it. And, yep. you know, really, that's just kind of where we are. It's just like you said, it was uh, really telling about how much they hate to see uh, women, you know, and, and how they would also cut off cut off their noses to spite their faces when it comes to this infighting that they're allowing to happen. It's like mm-hmm. you, you invited that party into the, your house and now they're destroying it. They're destroying it and there's yep. getting ready. Either there's going to be a major war happen within that party that 
I mean, I know they're talking about uh, expelling uh, Matt Gates, uh, and they were, and they were talking about uh, perhaps even overturning this uh, latest vote. So, um, you know, it's going to be more to come. And I mean, get your popcorn ready because it's going to be a wild ride until you know they recess in November. Yeah. Yeah. You know, something I say to you all the time, Mr. Rohn, is it would be funny if it wasn't real life. It, it there, would you be there you go. There you go. Something I would watch on TV, probably pretty religiously, if it wasn't real life. It's so interesting to me. I've always loved history. Uh, always kind of loved history and geography, to be uh, honest with you. And to see this stuff happening here, unfolding in real time, in real life, and to just see how America is responding and not responding to the things that are happening here. It's just really fascinating to me that these kinds of things could happen, quote unquote, on our watch during our generational times where we could do something to affect it. And nobody's taking the time to stand up and say, this is wrong. This is mm-hmm. this is not governing. This is this is soap opera drama. Um, to see a personal beef between Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy actually result in the vacancy of the Speaker of the House at a time where we're on a continuing resolution that's going to expire now in five weeks and the government's going to shut down. And I know we should have a new Speaker of the House by then, but he's got or she's got to come in ready to go, already working on the same thing that got the last Speaker of the House fired, uh, getting the government reopened and finding a way to keep uh, paychecks going to the military, finding a way to keep um, government services open and ready, finding a way to keep parks up and running. It's sad that the person who's coming in is going to run right into the exact same thing that got the last person fired. Hey man, if if I could just you know put a plug in for my own my own agency where I work, I, hey man, you know being in the in the FAA and working under the FAA and knowing that they're gonna expect us to come to work whether the government shut down or not <laughs> because it's yep. a safety issue with flying mm-hmm. and they they need us on the watch, you know, making sure that the equipment and stuff that lands planes and helps them uh take off that all of that stuff is working all the time. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's going to be the call and and hey man, I, I guess as long as I'm in the agency, I have to, you know, shut up in color as we say, but ooh, it don't feel good. It don't mm. feel good though to, to know that that's the expectation while they're playing these games, and mm. you know it has a real life consequence. Yeah, uh, just going going forward, man. I, I I hope they can figure something out and get to a resolution. But also, like you said, like hey, so at some point, man, we're gonna have to get to a place where we come to grips with this game that's being played in Washington and, and do something about it. I mean, yeah. Kevin McCarthy was out there groveling and, and kissing butt to get that job. And here he is a couple months later. After 15 votes. Uh-huh. That was <laughs> wild. You know, but you know, I guess it'll be more to come though. More to come indeed, man. Real quick again. I know you wanted to close this one off, but. Man, that is just amazing. This man had to have that many votes to even get the job. 
and then got voted out of the job a few months later. Some like grand opening, take a grand hit. closing. Right. Man. Man. Some people don't take the hint, though. I mean, I, I, I'm a I'm a man of, uh, you know, selfish pride. My pride might get in, in, in the way sometime, but I, I do always want to be able to hold my head up high and, and be a man about things when it comes mm-hmm. time for me to be a man about it. If it ain't my turn, it ain't my turn. But don't expect me to get down on the floor and kiss your feet to have my mm-hmm. turn. I really can't live my life like that. I got to be able to hold my head up. And just watching him that night, it was secondhand embarrassment. It was awkward. It was just pitiful to see a, a grown man do all of that groveling and be that embarrassed and get that vote for 15 times mm-hmm. to to try to be speaker. Hey, man, you know, maybe after the fifth vote, hey, uh, it just ain't my time. I, I ain't going to yeah. do this this way. You know, somebody else can have it. I give you this concession. I give you this concession to where every day you go to work. Now, that dude had to have stress on stress on stress every day. And it resulted in this one mm-hmm. one dude and his personal vendetta uh, running him out of his job. And we get up on the microphone and blame the woman. <laughs> <laughs> Only in America, Mr. Rome. Only hey, in America, hey, man. It's very American. Hey, man. You know what else is very American? What's that? The Super Bowl, brother. Ooh. The Super Bowl. And this year, baby, tonight. Hey, man. I don't sing for people often, but Usher got me singing over here. Usher is headlining the Super Bowl. How we feel about that? Hey, dog. I'm I'm gonna uh, tune in just to see the Usher concert, and I, I hope you know I have a relevant team to to root for. But man, if I'm being honest, I, I was kind of happy just to see that it was Usher, you know that that was gonna be performing. I think that's mm-hmm. awesome. I always think the Super Bowl is so much more entertaining when you. It's already kind of that gravitational kind of event that make people that not necessarily are football people, but they're going to watch the Super Bowl. And now I think this brings even a a more larger cross-section of people back into, you know, being interested. Oh, well, I'm going to watch because Usher's going to be there, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to that, man. I I am also just kind of over uh, excited that Usher has made the return that he has. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. So Usher had fallen into a place of irrelevancy, and especially in the black community, the R&B community. He, he tried to venture out into a pop lane with some of those songs that I don't even remember the name of after Confessions and after um, um, um can't remember the album after Confessions, but he he really went into a place where uh, a lot of black people didn't really go with him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and to see him revitalize who Usher is, because Usher meant a lot to me growing up. You know, I remember one day at work, we had a conversation about Confessions being one of the top five kind of R&B album CDs of all time, man. And and that thing brought some hits out, you know, um, and to to know that Usher was still in his prime, so to speak, but couldn't get that that musical shine back. That was kind of disheartening to me. And so uh, 
what was the turning point that brought him back? The uh, the small table desk. concert, tiny, tiny desk, desk concert. Yeah, maybe I need to trademark the small table. They got the tiny. <laughs> it started with the tiny desk concert of Usher's kind of turnaround with everybody with the hand face, the hand over mm-hmm. the face signal, and everything, and just. Really, a really good concert that he put on there in the little place, kind of reminding people of who Usher is. And then the Vegas show kind of blew the roof off of it for him and reestablished who Usher is in our consciousness and everything. And uh, I could tell you, man, having gone to that Vegas show, man, I'm somebody who wants to go back to that Vegas show. Like that show is amazing. That show is Usher. That show is the superstar that I kind of grew up with. And loved his music and and appreciated him as an artist. And so I'm really excited that Usher's come kind of full circle with everything. And he is now one of the top people taking his place back up there with the Beyonce's and the Lady Gaga's and and the Rihanna's and all those who have done the Super Bowl show. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it, regardless of who the teams are in the Super Bowl. You know, I'm a college fan and, and I'm more of a casual NFL guy. But I, I, if my Falcons are in it, I'm, I'm going to be excited. But regardless of who's in it, I'm watching the show and I'm watching the halftime show. Absolutely. Hey, that's that's where I am with it. But uh, I wanted to say, too, about um, just evol- the evolution of who Usher is and, and how he's kind of brought itself back to the for- the forefront. I think it happened too in a void of R&B music and that's probably something we could probably talk about at a later time but uh R&B music especially male R&B music has you know kind of taken this hit at the same time when Usher mm-hmm. was uh, uh kind of falling to uh at a relevant kind of place uh R&B music as a whole for uh, uh, male singers was go- undergoing that same thing. And I think uh, his Tiny Desk, and I do remember the sequence of this, his Tiny Desk concert came uh, just shortly after they had the verses with Ray J and Omarion <laughs> and and uh, Mario and Bobby V and, and come, all of them were on the stage and it had just reminded people like how bad male R&B artists had become. And then here comes Usher sliding in, you know, a week or two later with this tiny desk concert. And I think that just, you know, was like the catalyst because people were like, yo, we slept on Usher. Now, you know, guy like yourself, like me, I've been making that that conversation the whole time, you know, Hey man, I'm listening to confessions. I'm listening to my Usher playlist. Cause Hey, that dog, Hey, it run every time. And it doesn't, it doesn't need a skip here or skip there. Like conceptually, that may be one of, like you said, the top five R and B albums ever made just conceptually, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in our time. If you're going to speak about something in our time, he definitely Mm -hmm. is in that top three, you know, position of, of R&B uh, albums made. And I think also Usher is the artist that kind of bridges, especially for the male R&B singers now, that R. Kelly has been removed off the table. Oh, okay. Removed off the table. I was about to say, I didn't uh, know we were saying them words together on this show. <laughs> but now that, you know, that has happened, 
Usher was already right there on his heels, and I think now he's clearly the guy um, for uh, male R&B music. But he kind of bridges the gaps of, you know, where he was also a performer that got to see Michael Jackson, that got mm. to see Whitney Houston and Luther mm. and and come up under those times, even when R. Kelly was there and all of those like he he bridged that gap. And now he's here and there are no other peers that are, are here along with him. Yeah. Wait, no other peers, man. The king of R&B, Jaheen. That ain't no peer for Usher. No, man. No, man. No. <laughs> no. I, I always laugh. I think they're talking about right now. And, and for whatever reason, Chris Brown gets no no uh grace, no no um mention when it when we start to talk. I think Chris Brown deserves uh a lot of his flowers too. And for whatever reason, he he's not getting the the forgiveness or the grace that he no, probably no. should get. Yeah, because all of the controversy that he's had along the way, <laughs> we'll just say that all the controversy he's had along the way, religiously, religiously. Um, but uh, you know, with that being said, you know they talk, they have a talk now about Chris Brown versus Usher in a versus, like. Mm. Mm, yeah, but you won't have like Usher could just play Confessions and it would be over to me. Over, like you know, and, and that's tough because Chris Brown is not to be slept on. It's just yeah. Usher is who Usher is. Well, I don't want to get into a Usher versus Chris Brown thing, but I'm about to get into a Usher versus Chris Brown thing. Uh, <laughs> Chris Brown really can't sing, bro. Like. Uh, his songs sound good and he carries a tune and he's a superstar. I'm not saying he's not. Uh, I remember my brother-in-law hitting me one day and I was like, man, bro, you got to hear this song. I love this song. My boy Chris Brown, this before he beat Rihanna. He ain't been my boy since that day. But Chris Brown kind of laid it down. I think it was his song, Ain't No Way, one of the kind of B-side tracks on his first or second album. Ain't No Way. I used to love that, um, song. But he listened to it. He said, man, you know he can't sing, bro. Like, you know he can't sing right. I mean, you know he can't sing right. And I was like, what do you mean? This song sound good. And he was like, nah, this dude can't sing, bro. Like, you acting like he's singing. He ain't singing. He making music. And ever since that conversation, I've been like, damn, man. He right. Chris Brown really can't sing. Ooh. He can put on the show. Ooh. He can make music. But man, Chris Brown can't sing, bro. Take you down? Ugh. Ugh. Hey, man, he got some good songs. But this you, don't Christmas? Want Chris, you don't want Chris Brown to run through no... Re- yeah, this Christmas especially. Especially oh. this Christmas. Oh. Man. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Hey, Chris Brown can't you ever, sing? Have you ever heard people say Mary J. Blige can't sing? I've heard you say that. No, you have not. I love me some Mary. <laughs> I, I think we'd have had this conversation somewhere. <laughs> yeah, man. Mary, I love her. I love her. But uh, like to me and like Chris Brown, I'm sure. Well, actually, I went to a Chris Brown show and I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. He got some songs I don't like, but I enjoyed it. But yeah, Chris Brown, Chris Brown doing a tiny desk. 
I think would hurt his career because he can't mm-hmm. dance. He can't dance with it. And we like the whole performance of Chris Brown, I believe, more than the voice of Chris Brown. Usher was able to hit them notes and carry them tunes. And oh man, Usher really can sing. If Chris Brown does a tiny desk, if somebody ever advises him of that bad move and he does it, I think we're going to be like, oh, no, I think I'm going to start a petition. <laughs> See Chris Brown do a tiny desk. Cause I, yeah. I don't know. I've heard a lot of takes. <laughs> I don't think I heard Chris Brown can't sing. Boy, mm. that's a new one on me. I, I'm going to agree to disagree. Chris Brown that's why can we sing, have these dog. conversations, bro. Chris Brown Chris can Brown. sing, bro. He just ain't no. I mean, I guess, I guess for me, dance. I look at it like I might, maybe I have like different levels. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what we're talking about. Okay, so I'll agree with that, too. I'll agree with that, too, because, like I said, Chris Brown's a superstar. Obviously, he can make music. He can do it well enough to make music. But I believe if Chris Brown come to karaoke, you're going to get kind of the performance that I'm going to give you, too. Like, I don't think Chris (laughs) Brown's going to tell no karaoke up. But if if Chris Brown get on the stage... Chris Brown about to turn that thing out because the whole performance of Chris Brown. Now that's something. That's something to behold. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, man, that's that's a that's a new one on me, dog. I, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna stand solidly in Chris Brown corner on this. Uh, okay, I think Chris Brown can sing. Now I ain't saying he gonna out sing us. I ain't saying that, but Chris <laughs> Brown can sing, dog. Okay. I, I, I'm just gonna say this too, right? Like somebody in your household once said, "Beyonce can't sing," right? And, uh-huh. um, <laughs> That's and, a short subject, right there, dog. That's a short <laughs> And I was like, "Like Beyonce, Beyonce, that Beyonce can't sing." Uh, and, and and I find more and more people believe that Beyonce can't sing. Hey, so, dog. Hey, you gonna have to point these people out. It's an opinion out there for everybody. <laughs> hey, hey, they, hey, you, you right, you right. There is, but I don't know. Being a person who has gladly paid for Beyonce four or five times in concert now, uh, yeah, man. If Beyonce's coming anywhere where I am, I would probably go see her show, especially if Jay Z's on it. Like to me, Beyonce can sing. If Chris Brown comes. Eh, I've seen him. I ain't, I ain't really moved to go see him again because uh, I like some of his songs, but Chris Brown ain't going to be out there trying to tear the stage down with his singing. <laughs> now, when I went to see Usher in Las Vegas, uh, he was Usher, man. He sounded just like him. He put on the show. The show was amazing. Uh, I really, really want to go see this show again, actually. Um, and I understand, I think that he's about to start a tour right after the Super Bowl. It was yes. something about seeing it in Las Vegas, though, that makes me want to go see that show again before he gets it out of there. Um, highly entertaining show, but also Usher on the microphone, being Usher, singing the songs the way that they are. Uh, recorded. That's something that was amazing to me. I think. I think so. That kind of goes back to like you know one of the things we had mentioned about him being like the stalwart of the the craft itself, and you know going back to some of those artists that kind of paved the way and having to 
being able to come up under them and, you know, get a lot of that performance and, and a lot of that, you know, they already had naturally, but to be able to watch those artists and know what that work ethic and what that craft looks like, I think he's just a stalwart from, from that time. So, yeah. you know, that's yeah. a lot of probably what you get to experience in the Vegas show is an old time kind mm-hmm. of throwback showman of the real deal. You know, yeah. and hit yeah. that coupled along with his talent, I can I, I can imagine that is an amazing show. Yeah, man, absolutely amazing. But yeah, Usher is doing the Super Bowl, Mister Rome. But to our ongoing, continuing series, Hip Hop at Fifty, my boy is older than hip hop. Um, as old as hip hop is, dog, I wear that <laughs> moniker very proudly. Yes, uh, sir. I, I like to, you know, I. I just look at 72, the year 72, 73, man, there was some incredible things happening around that time, dog. Like I also am as old as Nike. So, mm. you know, that's uh, the same mm. birth year, same birth mm. year as uh, myself. So, um, yeah, dog, I, I wear it proudly. Okay. That's what I'm talking about, man. So in this episode here, uh, for our last few minutes, you're going to kind of give me your top five mixtapes of all time. And I'm going to just you. go ahead and uh, put the uh, the disclaimer out there for me. Like, I'm not the kind of guy who really gets into mixtapes, per se. Now, I like, like some Lil Wayne mixtapes, uh, some Drake mixtapes. But I remember we had this DJ in Atlanta named Frank Ski. He used to say, hey, man, y'all like all this music. But at V103, we play the hits. That's what they want us to play, the hits. And ever since then, I've been that kind of guy. Like, I'm a mainstream guy. I listen to the hits. I don't need the underground stuff. So we're going to let you give your top five. And if you don't have one or two that I really, really love, I'm going to come in on it and everything. But what's your top five mixtapes of all times, Mr. Older Than Hip Hop? Hey, hey, man, I must say there's been like a shift in, in what a mixtape is. So I'll put the disclaimer out there. Now for me, now what a mixtape is, is not what they used to be. Like I'm used okay. to coming up with a blend tape or, you know, DJ clue and, uh, mm-hmm. the like where they had these tapes that came out where they were just remixing songs or playing another mm-hmm. beat on top of the song, those mm-hmm. kind of things. Uh, for me, uh, now, probably a good 10 to 12 years ago, there was really like this explosion of artists putting together a complete, what would be in a lot of these cases where they're, the mixtape that they put together was actually as good as, if not better than most of their complete releases or albums. Mm-hmm. So in no particular order. Well, I'll give them to you in order. I, I, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll, for me, okay. coming in in fifth place, I have to say, is an artist you may or may not know named Currency. Okay. He is out of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He really came up under uh, what's the boy name uh, with Taylor Gang uh, uh Smokes the weed all the time. Uh, black and yellow. Uh, 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 mm. Oh, Wiz Khalifa. Okay, so that's uh, Wiz Khalifa, Taylor Gang, and he came up under Taylor Gang as did another guy on this list. 
but Currency um, had a Pilot Talk series, and he's very much an independent artist now, probably on the underground more than anything else, but his mixtape series for Pilot Talk, which he has uh, four installments, I think, now, is just really quality production. He's known for finding... uh, the the best producers to kind of get with. He recently even did a a, a short uh, EP with Jermaine Dupree not too long ago uh, this year. But Currency releases a lot of music. Uh, but his Pilot Talk series is probably in at five. Um, number four for me is Big Crit. Uh, he did, and and all of this happened around the same time. Amazingly, 2009, 2010, 2011, you had uh, Big Crit with uh, The Return of Forever and Big Crit was here. Those two were not actual releases. They actually came back and released these as albums, but when they first came out, they were mixtapes. Number three has to be uh, Fabulous, which is one of my probably Mm. uh, most underrated albums. rappers um okay probably does a lot better on features than he does in actual releases but his soul tape series uh soul tape one two and three i could play them all day all night man just the production the way they were conceptualized and put together just awesome music to listen to um Mm. number two you have uh j cole jermaine cole uh with Mm. um Friday Night Lights, man. The yeah. intro, uh, probably too deep for the intro. Fire. Just, I, I love it like I love uh, Drake's Tuscan Leather as an intro. It just super, super hard and it sets up the whole uh, mixtape experience. He also mm-hmm. did uh, um, uh, a spin on. Um, Kanye's uh, Devil in a Blue Dress is on that mm. album. Just really dope work from Dre, uh, uh, Jermaine Cole. Um, and number one has to be No Ceilings with, mm. uh, from Lil Wayne. That's probably, Easy. you know, as when at the time, not an actual release, but No Ceilings was a mixtape where he went in and just kind of skipped in and borrowed over, uh, you know, other beats and other songs that people had made and made them his own. And that mm-hmm. that mixtape, bro, I tell you, if you're going uh, beats per minute or if you're going heartbeats per minute, you put it on in the gym, they going up. You know, yeah. you, you get your workout on. I mean, it plays well. It's aged well. You look back at it now. You play it. You get the same kind of nostalgic feeling you did when you first heard it. So that's All my right. top five. List them out again. Just list them real quick. Uh, Currency with the Pilot Talk series. Fabulous. Okay. Uh, uh, Big Crit with uh, Big Crit was here and Return of Forever. Uh, fabulous with the Soul Tape series. Um, J. Cole with Friday Night Lights and then Lil Wayne with No Ceilings. All right, man. So as a partial mixtape kind of listen to her, I definitely um, got to agree with Friday Night Lights by J. Cole. Uh, really solid mixtape. I was really excited when it came out. If I had a number one mixtape, it would certainly be No Ceilings, Lil Wayne, 
like that kind of blew my mind that mixtape actually when it came out that kind of introduced me to mixtapes like you were saying this new version of mixtapes where back earlier it was like a dj clue uh maybe adding somebody to a song we already knew or putting a new beat on top of that song or what have you but um yeah, the the no ceilings kind of made me take mixtapes serious. Uh, I would probably throw one more in there that you maybe two more that you didn't list. Uh, one being uh, Dream Chasers. I think it was Dream Chasers Two by Meat Mill. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. His whole style always kind of catches my attention. Anyway, he raps with. I like to say he raps with all this aggression and I kind of like how he hits it hard and goes with it. I think he had, uh, Kendrick Lamar on there. I think he had Wheezy on there too. Um, uh, but, um, Dream Chasers 2 was definitely, I think it was Dream T- Chasers 2 was one of my favorites. And then, uh, the last one I would probably throw in there, um, uh, was a Drake mixtape for, um, um, what was the movie, the LeBron James basketball movie, um, where they kind of put a little tape together with successful on it. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know, I know you're talking about uh, a couple other songs. So though, but I told you, I'm like a hits kind of guy. So my guys are going to be the Drakes, the Lil Wayne's, uh, Meek Mill is probably the most undergroundish as I would go. Like he ain't even underground, you know, like, uh, that kind of, thing but yeah well have no fear have no fear (laughs) i i'm i'm gonna bring you some underground too i'm gonna bring you some underground too i I gotta say uh gangster grills is probably uh an Mm. honorable mention in there too uh some of the work thomas done with with uh jeezy you have to acknowledge uh a lot of that early work that he did with jeezy um so gangster grills uh series is probably uh somewhere in there and should be acknowledged as a mixtape Gotcha. Gotcha, man. Well, that is the top five mixtapes as uh, read out by B-Rome, Mr. Oldest Hip Hop himself, um, to kind of touch off our Hip Hop at 50 segment here. And that is perfect timing to end our show, brother. That's another good talk, another good round of therapy as far as I'm concerned, man. was able to get some things off my chest. How about you? Yes, sir. Always good to uh, get in here and get the pod going and and be able to get some of this free therapy, dog. It's always a good release. Yes, sir. Pause. I have to agree Pause. with that. A hundred. hundred and ten percent. hundred and ten percent. In the meantime, man, until we catch you guys later, y'all take care of yourselves and don't be writing no books telling all the stuff you've done. Leave hey. that clout station to the professionals like Keithy D. <laughs> there you go. Hey, y'all be easy. Hey, we out. Peace. Peace.